Hello, welcome back to Wrestling Handle of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to bring you Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. And this is the week after the Royal Rumble, where we get to find out who are, well, Rumble winners will be going after. And we will learn all that on Monday Night Raw. So to start it off, Monday Night Raw, Cody Rhodes would come down to the ring. Cody Rhodes would peacock a little bit about winning the Men's Royal Rumble. Cody would reminisce about his journey starting in the wrestling industry at the age of 19, starting at OVW, that was WWE's developmental uh, system, back in 2005. And he would mention that when he was 19, he thought at that OVW building, within two years, he would be WWE champion in the next John Cena. But we all know how that didn't happen, how life ended up turning out. Cody would talk about what he would say to his younger self if he had the opportunity. Would he mention all the highlights in his life and the low points in his career and personal life? Cody would say he would tell his younger self nothing because all those moments and all those highlights and low points in his career has made him the man that he is right now. And it got him to this point. And now he is punching his ticket to the main event of WrestleMania. Now we switch over to Cody talking about Roman Reigns. Cody would mention that in the beginning of his song, it says wrestling has more than one royal family. And Cody is talking about himself, and he's talking about Roman Reigns' family, the entire bloodline, and he talks about how he now has to stand in front of that entire bloodline. And Roman Reigns, who is a LeBron James of this industry, and Cody mentions that Roman will be seeing him in the next 62 days because at WrestleMania, it's just another 62 days for Roman Reigns. But for Cody, this is the beginning of a whole new situation that nobody in his family was actually able to do but him. So this is going to be a shining achievement for him. So after Cody would hit his speech, uh, Cody's music would hit. And now we think we've seen the last of Cody. But the Judgment Day would come out. Everybody in the Judgment Day would be coming out except for Rhea Ripley. And Finn would just start hating on Cody. He would ask Cody, is he going to do anything original or is he going to steal all of his old stuff? And Finn's talking about Cody basically ripping off the Bullet Club stuff in Japan and taking his stuff even now coming back to WWE. Finn's saying that he should have been the number 30 spot. He should be getting all the spotlight and attention. But it all went to Cody. Don will speak about how Finn ruined the Judgment Day's plan at Rumble with Rhea winning the Rumble. And Dom said that he was supposed to win the Royal Rumble since he was part of the last Final Four men in the Rumble. And said that Cody cost him that. Priest would call Cody entitled because unlike Rhea Ripley who entered the number one in the Rumble and winning it, Cody was number 30 and ended up winning it. Don will say that Cody now owes him and Cody will stop them right there. Cody will say that he could take this easy and just go about his business as he's on his way to WrestleMania. Or he could be himself and start beating up the Judgment Day. Cody will pick the second option. And we would get a match later of Cody going against Finn. Now, Edge music would hit, and Edge would attack the Judgment Day. And now you have officials and security trying to separate everybody. Cody would get in on this attack and try to help Edge beat up on the Judgment Day as officials are separating everybody. And then we go to commercial break. When we come back, we get our first match of the night, the Elimination Chamber qualifying match of Seth Rollins and Chad Gable with Otis in Gable's Corner. Seth would win the match by pinfall by hitting a pedigree on Chad Gable to win. So Seth Rollins is technically the first qualifying man in the United States Championship Elimination Chamber match. It's now Austin Theory and Seth Rollins so far. We will have two more qualifying matches later on the night. Now after this, we will have Io Sky with damage control in her corner going against Candice LeRae who had Mia Yim in her corner. Io would win the match by pinfall thanks to Bailey interfering when Candace had Io in a small package pin. Dakota would get the referee's attention. Candace would let go of the pin and Bailey would get on the ring apron. Candace would attack Bailey and this would allow Io to get Candace in a roll up and pin her for the win. Now, after this, we would get the women's Royal Rumble winner, Rhea Ripley, coming down to the ring. And Rhea would say that she outlasted everyone in the Royal Rumble, and won her from being the number one participant, which she did. And Rhea now mentions that she now has a choice to make on which champion to go after. Rhea will ultimately choose Charlotte Flair, and she will talk her reason why. 
She would mention how in 2020, when Rhea was the NXT Women's Champion, she came up to Raw to challenge Charlotte, who won the Royal Rumble, to a match at Mania. Charlotte accepted it, and, well, Rhea lost at that Mania to Charlotte. And how everybody in WWE has the status quo that Charlotte is the top dog, she's the queen, and how everybody has to basically bend the knee to Charlotte. Now, at Mania... Rhea is going to be the disruptor and basically make Charlotte bow down to her. So Rhea would end it off by saying that she chooses Charlotte Flair to face at WrestleMania. So we have that match set. So Charlotte Flair will be going against Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania for the SmackDown Women's Championship. It will be announced later in the night that at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, there will be an Elimination Chamber match to determine the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship. And the competitors so far in this chamber match are Asuka, Nikki Cross, Liv Morgan, and Raquel Rodriguez. These four women are named because they were the, technically the last five women in the Rumble, so that's the reason why they're in this match here. Now, next week, there will be a fatal four-way match to determine who will be entering the chamber next. In that match will be Mia Yim, Candice LeRae, Piper Niven, formerly known as Dewdrop, and the returning Carmella. Now, after this, we get an elimination qualifying matchup. It'll be Johnny Gargano with Dexter Loomis in his corner, going against Baron Corbin, who had JBL in his corner. Johnny would get the win by pinfall by countering the end of days and get Baron Corbin in a small package pin for the win. So now Johnny Gargano has entered himself now in the United States uh, Championship Elimination Chamber match. Now, after this, we get the VIP lounge with special guest, the United States Champion, Austin Theory. Austin Theory will start by playing with MVP, kind of making fun of him, talking about how when he was young, he used to watch the VIP lounge. MVP would see through all of Theory's whole uh, childish nature and jokey nature by saying that he's covering all his fear up right now because he knows he has to enter the Elimination Chamber and not knowing who he has to go against and whether he'll be leaving the Chamber as champion. Theory would get in MVP's face and say that you were the guy that thought Bobby Lashley could beat me last week, and that didn't happen. Theory would continue to talk trash to MVP to the point that Bobby Lashley would come down to the ring and try to get at Theory, but MVP would stop Bobby from doing that until Theory told Bobby to listen to your daddy. MVP would look at Bobby, and then he would just move swiftly out the way, and he would allow Bobby to take care of his business. Bobby would start beating up on Austin Theory, Hit him with a flatliner, start moving things out of the ring. You see MVP go up to Theory, start raising Theory up with his cane, talking trash to Theory. And we see Bobby's running, and he looks like he's about to hit Theory with the spear. Theory would pull MVP in front of him, and Bobby would hit MVP with the spear. Theory would leave the ring, so now Bobby is just looking at MVP as Theory leaving the ring because all this is going down because MVP is trying to recruit Bobby back to being in the Hurt Business or trying to make the Hurt Business a thing again, but it seems that we're going to try to take some other steps until this whole group comes back together, and it would be great for MVP to get Bobby, Omas, and Cedric, and Shelton. For me, I would rather have the Street Profits in, but I understand Cedric and Shelton Benjamin, Um, but it seems that we're going a longer route just to make the Hurt Business a thing. But as long as we get the Hurt Business in the end, I'm cool with it. Now, after this, we get The Miz coming down to the ring, and he would complain about not having a proper spot at Raw 30. Then talk about the Rumble, how he got a crappy number, and he was the first man eliminated. Then not giving a qualifying match to enter the United States uh, Elimination Chamber. So Miz would ask for respect. Adam Pearce would come out, and Pearce would mention that he hears Miz. And you know what? I have a guy right for you. I'm going to give you a match against the newest signee of the Raw roster. And it's the debuting, well, the re-debuting Rick Boog since he's uh, coming back from injury that he suffered at WrestleMania last year. And Rick Boogs looks bigger. He doesn't come out with Nakamura. Rick Boogs ends up beating The Miz by hitting a uh, press forward slam. And that's the end of that. So I'm happy to see Rick Boogs here. It's a uh, great thing. I just wish they would have kept Rick Boogs with Shinsuke Nakamura. Hopefully, we'll end up bringing that back somehow. But for right now, Rick Boogs is on his own here on Monday Night Raw. Now, after this, Bailey would come down to the ring. Bailey would talk about 
putting a beat down on Becky Lynch last week and how damage control dominated at the Royal Rumble. And her personal favorite moment of the Rumble was eliminating Becky all by herself. And now Bailey thinks that Becky and damage control's business is done, but not so fast. Becky Lynch will come out and tell Bailey to shut up. Becky tells Bailey that she already run the Rumble before. She just was in the Rumble to make sure Bailey didn't win it. She would mention how Bailey took the easy way out of their steel cage match by attacking her from behind. Bailey would reply by she doesn't like Rebecca. That's the real name of Becky Lynch here. And thinks that she is overrated. She isn't good enough to be in the ring with her. And takes a personal shot at Becky saying that she isn't even good enough for her husband, Seth Rollins. Becky would be taken aback by this and say all of this hatred that Bailey has started 10 years ago at NXT in Orlando. So Becky would challenge Bailey to another steel cage match next week in Orlando on Monday Night Raw. Bailey at first would disagree, and this would make Becky tell Bailey that she thought this would happen, and then you would see Becky walk to the back. Next thing you know, Becky would come out dragging Dakota Kai by her hair, and Dakota has a chair on her leg. Becky would take the chair off of Dakota's leg, and she has it raised up in the air, and she asks Bailey, "Do you, what about that match now? Bailey would accept the match, so next week we're going to get Becky versus Bailey in a steel cage match. That's really going to happen next week. Now, after this, we get the men's elimination qualifying matchup of Dolph Ziggler going against Bronson Reed. Bronson Reed would win the match by pinfall when he hits a tsunami for the win. And right as of right now, for the United States Championship at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, we have Austin Theory, Seth Rollins, Bronson Reed, and Johnny Gargano. Next week, we're going to find out who the final two members of the matchup will be because next week, Angelo Dawkins will be going against Damian Priest, and Montez Ford will be going against Elias. Now, to the main event of Monday Night Raw, Cody Rhodes going against Finn Balor with the Judgment Day in his corner. Cody would win the match by pinfall when he hits Finn Balor with three crossroads after Edge and Beth Phoenix would take care of the Judgment Day around the ring. So, Edge and Beth Phoenix still have their business with the Judgment Day. They're not done with this, and it seems that this was just something for Cody to do as he's now on his way to WrestleMania in the main event to go against Roman Reigns. So with that, that is your Raw Wrestling Highlights of the week. Now we're off to NXT. This is the NXT Go Home Show for their Vengeance Day event, which is happening tonight on Saturday. Um, First thing to note, Nikita Lyons, she has surgery on her left leg. She tore her ACL and meniscus. Um, they started a segment last week on NXT. You saw Nikita in the parking lot screaming in agony. And she would tweet out last week how she tore her ACL and had meniscus. She would also tweet out earlier this week how she has surgery on it. So best wishes to Nikita Lyons. Now, on to the first match of the night. The Creeds with Ivy Nile in their corner going against Indy Shear, who had Jinder Mahal in their corner. Indy Shear would win the match by pinfall when Julius Creed was ready to hit his signature lariat on Veer, but Jinder Mahal would grab Julius by his leg. Jinder would then get on the ring apron, and Ivy would follow Jinder as well on the apron. They would argue on the apron. Jinder would get down. Ivy would still be up there. Julius would run off the ropes, and Veer would move, and Julius would knock Ivy off the apron. Julius will now look at Ivory on the outside, and he's in shock that he did this, and he would turn around, and Veer would hit Julius with the million-dollar clothesline. Veer would then tag in Sangha, and Sangha would finish off Julius with a choke slam for the win, so Indashir have a win over the Creed Brothers. Now, after this, we have Zoe Starks going against Indy Hartwell. Zoe would win the match by pinfall by hitting her tilt-a-whirl knee to the face on Indy for the win. After the match, Zoe would attack Indy some more until Sol Ruka would run down to the ring and Zoe would leave the ring once Sol got in it. So they're pushing Sol Ruka as one of their next highlight uh, stars in the NXT Women's Division. And I like it because, again, NXT, you're building up the future for WWE. And you could tell how certain women might be going up to the main roster next. You can kind of have an idea. I think they're really trying to make Zoe Stark go up to the main roster because they see a lot of experience already in Zoe so that she doesn't need to be in NXT that much so I can see her being like one of the first 
couple of people literally after like many seasons done with, she'll probably go up to the main roster and just for so Ruka to probably get that opportunity to beat someone like Zoe that has all this experience is going to do good for her uh, credibility here. Now, after this, we will have Wes Lee, the North American champion in the ring. Wes will talk about his upcoming match at Vengeance Day with Dijak. He talks about how Dijak is going to be his biggest test and he knows he's going to take a butt kicking, but he will still leave out Vengeance Day as still the North American champion. Then Dijak will come out. Dijak will tell Wes that he needs to soak in this moment as Avengers Day, he's going to lose that North American Championship because Dijak is the biggest and baddest man in the NXT locker room. Now, out will walk Von Wagner and Mr. Stone. Mr. Stone will say that Von is the biggest and baddest man in that locker room and feels that Von Wagner is being overlooked. Wes will start trying to poke the bear and say that next Tuesday, they're going to need a new number one contender for the North American Championship. And if Von beats Dijak, then he proves that he's a worthy challenger for a championship match, and he won't be overlooked. Dijak will see what Wes is trying to do, so he would try to swing on Wes, but Wes would move, and Dijak would inadvertently hit Von Wagner. This will lead to Von Wagner hitting Dijak and clotheslining him out of the ring, and we will have a match between Dijak and Von Wagner here. Wes would be on commentary for the match, and Dijak would win the match by pinfall when he locks his arm around Von Wagner's throat and makes Von lose consciousness. And then he will hit Feast Your Eyes on Von Wagner for the win. So now this gives Dijak some momentum going into his North American Championship match with Wesley at Vengeance Day. After this, we will have Tyler Bate going against Axiom. Tyler Bate would win his match by pinfall by hitting the Tyler Driver 97 for the win. And after the match, Tyler Bate and Axiom, they will shake hands like gentlemen. And Damon Kemp would attack Axiom from behind, knocking Tyler Bate out of the ring. Damon would then grab Axiom up and hit him with the Irish curse backbreaker. And Tyler Bate would get in the ring and run Damon Kemp out of the ring. So this is proving that Damon Kemp has a problem with uh, some of these independent guys. He made that kind of known earlier in the night when he saw Axiom and Tyler Bate talking about they're going to have a match with each other that night. He talked about how he's tired of all this friendly sportsmanship and that usually comes from the independent guys, so he kind of doesn't like it. So I can see Tyler Bate more likely having a beef with Damon Kemp, and this probably signified it. After this, we will have Danny Palmer going against the debuting Stevie Tyler. Stevie would win the match by pinfall by hitting a sit-out side effect for the win. I'm going to say this right now. I didn't see much in Stevie Tyler in this, and I don't mean to be disrespectful in that. I know it was just their first match here. But I just didn't see it. Hopefully, Stevie's going to pull something and make me see something out of her matches. Like, more as more time she'd be uh, used on NXT. But just in this match alone, I didn't see much. So, hopefully, that changes as they continue to use her on NXT. Up next was Charlie Dempsey going against Drew Gulak with Hank Walker in his corner. Drew Gulak would win the match by pinfall when Charlie had Drew locked in the crossface chicken wing. And Drew was fighting out of the maneuver. And Drew was close to Hank Walker as Hank was cheering on Drew, telling him to get out of the maneuver. Drew would see Hank cheering him on. So Drew would send Charlie Dempsey head on into Hank Walker. And this would allow Drew to roll up Charlie Dempsey for the win. And so you can see Drew Gulag using some nefarious tactics. Even though he didn't cheat, he did sacrifice his student as a way for him to win. So Drew Gulag is really using the by any means necessary to obtain a win real seriously here. Hopefully, we'll see Hank and Drew play into that next week on NXT, but only time will tell. Now it's time for the main event, Triple Threat Tag Team Match, where the winner will be added into the NXT Tag Team Championship Match at Vengeance Day. It is the Dyad going against Idris and Malik, going against Andre Chase and Duke Hudson. Andre Chase and Duke Hudson would win the match by pinfall when Andre Chase and Duke Hudson would perform their tag finish on James Drake, which is a gory bomb flatliner combo, and Andre would pin James Drake. So now, Andre Chase and Duke Hudson are added to that Fatal 4-Way match at Vengeance Day. So now in the Fatal 4-Way matches, Andre Chase, Duke Hudson, The New Day, Pretty Deadly, and Gallus. And with that, 
That is your NXT Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now off to AEW Dynamite. First thing to note, next week on Dynamite, Jamie Hayter will be going against the Bunny, and Ricky Stars will be running the gauntlet when he has to go against every member of the Jericho Appreciation Society except for Jake Hager because when he beats every single member, he will finally get his chance to go against Chris Jericho, so that match will be happening next week. Now, the reason why Jay Hager wasn't involved, I have no idea. They just decided not to put Hager in it, so that's just what it is. Sometimes they use Jake Hager, sometimes they don't. That's just, I think, what every AEW uh, fan has gotten used to, so that's the reason why Hager is not involved in this gauntlet match. But again, next week, I'm going to be uh, rooting for Ricky. Everybody's going to be rooting for Ricky. Everybody knows it's going to happen, and we'll probably get Ricky Starks going against Chris Jericho, more likely at Revolution, but that's what's to come up next week on AEW. Now, on this week's episode of AEW, we will start off with John Moxley going against Hangman Page. Moxley would win this hard-hitting match when Hangman had Moxley locked in the Bulldog Choke, and Moxley will be able to reverse out of the Bulldog Choke into a roll-up for the win. And after the match, Hangman would get in the referee's face and start arguing about the decision because Hangman felt in his heart that he had John Moxley beat, but he just couldn't get the job done because Moxley was able to pull out a uh, pinning maneuver. Then Moxley would be still on the ground. Hangman will go over to him, start mouthing off to him, saying that he had him beat. This will lead to Claudio Castagnoli and Willie Uta to get in the ring and tell Hangman to move away from Moxley. Now, once Mox gets to his feet, there will be a machismo showdown with Hangman and Mox. Mox and Hangman will start flipping each other off. They'll start speaking crap to one another. And again, it still seems that this rivalry between Hangman and Moxley isn't done yet. It all still stems back to when Moxley knocked out Hangman Page from a clothesline, and it's still, it just seems that they just want to probably want to knock each other out, so we're probably going to get into some probably match where I think is going to be like submission or knockout, that's the only way I see this rivalry ending, to be honest with you, if it goes in any other way, I'm going to be shocked by it, but again, for me, I think it should go to a match where it's literally knockout or submission will end it. Now, after this, we will have the acclaimed with Billy Gunn coming out, going against two random guys. The Acclaim would win their match in quick fashion by pinfall by hitting their tag finish, the arrival, then the mic drop for the win. After the match, the Guns will come down to the ring. The Guns will ask for a tag team championship match. The Acclaim would ask the people that the Guns deserve a title shot, and the fans will yell out no. So the Acclaim's answer to the Guns would be a no. The Acclaim will tell the Guns that they don't deserve a shot at the tag team championships. So the guns will get in the Acclaim's face, and Billy Guns will run up and break it up between both of the teams. Billy now would be so fed up, he would say that he's tired of this crap, and tell both teams that if they want to beat the crap out of each other, then go ahead. Billy Gunn would then leave the ring and start walking up the ramp. Austin Gunn would get the mic and yell at his dad and tell him that he can do what he's always done, and that's abandon them. And Billy would stop for a moment, and then proceed to still walk up the ramp. Austin would again poke the bear and say that you can do what you used to do and drown your sorrows in a bottle of pills. Now, for anybody that knows Billy Gunn's uh, history, he did have some abusive uh, substance abuse problems, and he's sober, he's clean, he's been clean for a good couple of years now, and this struck a nerve with him, so this will make Billy walk back to the ring and get in Austin's face. Billy would tell his sons that they think they have what he used to have as a performer, and Billy would grant them a tag title shot against the Acclaim next week, and Billy will leave the ring. Now, the Acclaim, they will look confused by this because they just told the Guns they're not going to be giving them a tag title shot, but it will be confirmed by Tony Khan next week on Dynamite. The Acclaim will be going against the Guns for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Now, after this, we had Kanosuke Takeshita going against Brian Cage with Prince Nana in his corner. Takeshita would beat Brian Cage by pinfall by hitting a knee strike to Cage in the face for the win. Now, after this, we had Brian Danielson going against Timothy Thatcher. Brian would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Psycho knee for the win. Now, after the match, they will show video of Takeshita and MGF going at it with each other in the backstage area because MGF tried to interfere during the match when the referee, Brian Danielson, and Timothy Thatcher were down in the ring, but Takeshita would pop up from the crowd and start attacking MJF. So we get video of them still fighting backstage. Referees, producers, and just extras would break up the fight between MJF and Takeshita. And Renee Paquette would appear and let it be known that next week, 
per Tony Khan. It will be Takeshita going against MGF. MGF will be upset at this. He said that he didn't agree to this, but this still shows that Tony Khan still runs the show because this is his company. Also, it would be announced that Brian Danielson will be going against Roosh, and I believe that will be his final test. And once Brian beats Roosh, Brian will be going against MGF at Revolution in their one-hour Ironman match. Now, after this, we have the TBS Championship match of Red Velvet going against Jay Cargill with Lay the Gray in her corner. Jay Cargill would win this match by pinfall by hitting Jaded for the win. Now, Jade is 50-0. and 0. And again, she's still a TBS champion. She's been the only TBS champion. She's held that championship literally for over a year now. And it still begs the question, who's going to take the title off of Jade Cargo? We still have no idea, but Jade is 50-0. and 0, And after the match, she would go in the front row, pick her daughter up, who was crying. Because, well, it was just a real wholesome moment of her just grabbing her kid, and we all just see that her kid was crying because, well, her mom's 50, you know, her mom still retained her championship. So it's real, again, wholesome. Now off to the main event, no holds bar match for the TNT Championship, Darby Allen going against Samoa Joe, and the condition for this was, whoever wins the match, they're the TNT champion, but the loser cannot challenge for that TNT Championship again as long as the champion is one of those two. Samoa Joe would win the match by pinfall by hitting a muscle buster, from the second turnbuckle on the exposed ring canvas. Thanks to Darby Allen. Darby Allen would expose the ring canvas, taking the mat protection off, taking the foam that they land on off, and just exposing the wood. So when he does this, Samoa Joe will hit Darby with a muscle buster off the second turnbuckle, pinning Darby. And now Samoa Joe is your new TNT champion. This is his second reign with that championship. And to be honest with you, I didn't think Samoa Joe was going to win this. I thought Darby was going to win it because Darby just got the belt from Samoa Joe a month ago. Um, he's been defending it for four weeks, and he's been uh, winning every single championship matchup. And I thought this match was going to be no different. As a matter of fact, to be more specific with you, I thought Wardlow was going to come out and beat up on Samoa Joe to give Darby Allen the win, but that did not happen. Instead, Warlow would appear after the match and he would go down the ring and beat up on Samoa Joe. He would look to hit it with a powerbomb, but uh, Samoa Joe would roll out of the ring and he would walk up the ramp and security would just be there to try to calm Warlow down from trying to get at Samoa Joe and Warlow would just beat up on security. So we would end with Wardlow uh, beating up on security, powerbombing one of the security guys outside of the ring onto the other guys and that's how Dynamite would end. Now, this no holds bar match, it was real, real brutal. Uh, you saw Darby Allen come in with a hoodie just covered in thumbtacks, so he rushes off on Samoa Joe, just like beating him up with the hoodie covered with thumbtacks. Samoa Joe had to be smart. He beat up on Darby Allen, but he would wrap his hand with his towel to clothesline Darby. Then he would take the hoodie off of him. Then they'll start moving into the audience. They'll start battling uh, in the crowd. At one point, you saw like Samoa Joe toss Darby onto like the concrete steps that the audience members like walk up and down in the building and that thing looked brutal uh it was just a real brutal match between Samoa Joe and Darby Allen and again there needs to be somebody to really look after Darby Allen if Darby Allen plans on having a long wrestling career or just a long life in general somebody needs to really look after Darby because all the stuff that he's been doing in his matches that are just like really reckless Somebody needs to, like, tell him, yo, you don't need to be doing that. You need to take your body much more easy. You need to be more easy on your body because, dude, you only got one body, dog. And once you happen to tweak something, that's it. You could get paralyzed. You could get, like, drastically affected because of all the stuff that you're doing, just being reckless out there. So, again, I hope somebody in AEW is, like, literally talking Darby Allen down off of some of the stunts that he wants to do in that ring. But, again... Samoa Joe, Darby Allen, you know what to expect. It was no holds bar match. I will suggest you watch it if you like wrestling, but that's just my thoughts. Now with that, that is your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now off to Impact Wrestling. Impact Wrestling will open up with a tag team matchup of Bullet Club's Ace Austin and Chris Bay going against New Japan's Kevin Knight and Kushida. Ace Austin and Chris Bay would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Art of Finesse and then the Fold on Knight for the win. Highlight of the match was Chris Bay hitting Kevin Knight with a ace cutter or an RKO on the ring apron whenever 
Knight was going to leap out of the ring onto Ace Austin outside of the ring, but Chris Bay would catch Knight in midair and they would land on the ring apron. That was a nasty looking cutter, but again, the RKO or the cutter or the diamond cutter or whatever you want to call it, you can hit that move out of anywhere and it's always going to look extremely just well done. So again, Chris Bay, Ace Austin, they win and it seems that they're trying to push those guys as being like the front runner tag teams for Impact as the Mother's Team Machine Guns or the tag team champions. And even during the match, uh, the commentary would make how Ace Austin and Chris Bay have some... uh, comparisons to Motor City Machine Guns, so you can tell that those two teams are going to be going against each other sometime for the Impact uh, World Tag Team Championships. Now, after this, we get Giselle Shaw with Jay Vidal in her corner going against Savannah Evans. Giselle would win the match by pinfall thanks to Vidal interfering and distracting the referee when Savannah was going for a full Nelson slam on Giselle. Vidal would get on the ring apron and distract the referee, allowing Giselle to eye-poke Savannah. Giselle would then super kick Savannah and then hit her with a running knee to the face for the win. After the match, Giselle Shaw would get a microphone and talk about how people in Impact refer to her as the Black Widow of Impact Wrestling because anytime she's around a tag team, she always ends up destroying them. She would list off how Tasha Steeles has left because of her. The Influence have left because of her. And Chelsea Green has left because of her. She would say that she is the Black Widow because the light has been and forever will be on her because she is the quintessential diva. So that's it for Giselle Shaw and has seen that we're just going to push that with Giselle and we're at least giving her some type of character focus and impact and I'm good with that. After this, we have Crazy Steve with Black Tarus in his corner going against Sheldon Gene. Crazy Steve would win the match by pinfall by hitting a jumping DDT off of the second turnbuckle for the win. After the match, the X-Division champion, Trey Miguel, would run down to the ring and throw Black Tyrus into the ring post. Trey would get in the ring and attack Steve from behind, then grab him, looking to tag him with spray paint. But Crazy Steve would bite Trey Miguel's nose and then grab the spray paint away from Trey. Trey would look at Steve, and Steve, again, like last week, would tag Trey Miguel's logo on himself, and Trey's just looking at Steve as he does this with terror and like confusion on his face and Trey will leave the ring and just run to the back so we're building up on crazy Steve going against Trey Miguel for the X Division Championship more likely Trey Miguel is going to win this and I want to put in a notion here Trey Miguel has to go against crazy Steve and Black Taurus for people that don't watch MLW that's another wrestling promotion out there that has uh Enzo he's there now Jacob Fatu uh Alexander Hammerstone that's a promotion where MJF Got some notoriety before he went to AEW. Same thing with Brian Pillman Jr. MLW is just another uh, promotion out there. But there was a guy there called Myron Reed. He was their middleweight champion. I believe he left MLW now. And Myron Reed is friends with Trey Miguel, Desmond Xavier, or better known as Wesley in WWE, and Zachary Wentz. All four of those guys are actually cool friends. And uh, Myron Reed is now a free agent to my knowledge. So Trey Miguel probably needing a backup to uh, deal with Crazy Steve and Black Tarus. It wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for Impact to reach out to Myron Reed to get him to help out his boy Trey. I would love to see that because, again, that gives uh, Trey Miguel another guy to uh, work off and play off with since he's by himself. And just to see those two on TV, it just would be great. So hopefully Impact can get that done. Now, after this, we have Bully Ray in the ring. Bully would mention how he feels about people in Impact and Impact as a whole not liking him. He mentions how last week there was a number one contenders match for the world championship opportunity. And in that match, it had six former world champions in it. And he whines and complains how he wasn't a part of it since he is a two-time former Impact world champion. Bully would warn Santino Morella, the guy that's in control of this, to watch himself because he might end up like Scott Demore, the last guy who was running the show. Bully would then focus his attention on Tommy Dreamer. He would say that they really didn't like each other, not in ECW, not in WWE, or not currently even on their show Busted Open. They can't stand one another. They just know how to work with each other. Bully would say that Tommy Dreamer is the biggest phony he has ever met because Tommy wants to be liked by everyone, but that isn't possible. So that makes him the biggest snake in the business. Mickey James will come out. 
Mickey would mention to Bully that she has watched as both Tommy and Bully have gotten on each other's nerves and how that transitioned from Busted Open to now Impact Wrestling. And Mickey would tell Bully that he might call Tommy a snake, but Bully is the actual snake and the biggest politicker in the world. Mickey would tell Bully to not just get out of her ring, but to get out of Impact Wrestling as a whole. Bully would grab the mic away from Mickey and tell her to watch herself because he could easily slam her like he did last week and he could destroy her like he has done to women in the business. Bully would say that he is going to give Mickey what she deserves and he is going down the low road and he would call her a tramp. This would make Mickey slap Bully across the face and Bully would freeze for a moment. Bully would then unfreeze and then grab Mickey and body slam her, then grab her by the hair. Bully would call out John Schuyler and Jason Hodge down to the ring. They would come down and they would get a table. Now Bully has Mickey in position to power bomber, And before he could do that, Tommy Dreamer would come down to the ring with a kendo stick. And this would make Bully, Jason Hodge, and John Schuyler run away from the ring. Tommy would get a mic and tell Bully that they have known each other for 30 years and their paths will cross soon. But Tommy would throw out the challenge to Hodge and Schuyler for a tag match right now with him and Mickey James. However, Santino Morello will come down and say that that match isn't happening tonight, but it will happen next week, and Bully Ray will be barred from ringside. So we have that match announced for next week on Impact. Now, after this, we have Johnny Swinger with Ziggy Dice in his corner going against Kenny King. Kenny would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Royal Flush for the win quick and easy. And after the match, Kenny will get a mic and tell everyone in Impact, especially the champions, that he is gunning for everyone and anyone. Now, it's time to the main event. Eight-man tag match. The Design and Callahan going against the Impact World Champion Josh Alexander, Frankie Kazarian, Yuya Uramura, and Rich Swan. The Design and Callahan would win the match by pinfall when Callahan would hit the Cactus Driver 97, which is a pile driver on Yuya Uramura, and cover him for the win. And this would be Callahan's. This would be another test for Callahan to pass as he failed winning the Impact uh, number one contenders match last week. So he's moving more closely into getting in more and more with the design. I don't know how many other tests he has to pass, but he got his redemption here since he failed last week. Now, with that, that is your Impact Wrestling, Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we're off to SmackDown, and first thing to note, next week on SmackDown, there will be a Fatal 4-Ways number one contenders match for the Intercontinental Championship. You will have Rey Mysterio going against Madcap Moss, going against Karrion Cross, going against Santos Escobar. Now, when SmackDown will open up, they will play a video of the events that happened between Sami and the Bloodline at the Royal Rumble, and once the video is done airing, you will see Kayla Braxton in the parking lot waiting for the Bloodline to arrive. The bloodline would arrive, but it'll be everyone except for Jay Uso. Kayla would try to get a word with Roman Reigns, but he just walks past her, and we would hear from Roman Reigns later in the night, more particularly in the main event. But this wouldn't be the last time we would see the bloodline all together, because there will be segments in SmackDown, particularly two, where Roman will be asking Jimmy and Solo have they spoken to Jay anytime throughout this week, and Jimmy will answer no. They haven't spoken to Jay, they haven't seen him, none of that. So Roman would be more agitated the first time you was here. Roman tell them, yo, you guys got to find him. I don't care what you guys do. Get up, find Jay. The second time you will see the bloodline backstage, Jimmy and Solo will arrive back. They tell Roman, we didn't get in touch with Jay. We don't see him. But Jimmy would reinforce Roman that Jay will be here next week because they had to defend their SmackDown Tag Team Championships. So Roman would apologize to Jimmy and Solo and tell them, listen, the wise man ordered some food in the bus. You guys should go back there and just wait for me. I have to go out to the ring by myself, and I got to handle this stuff. So Roman would go to the ring later on in the night. But before I get to Roman, let's get to the matches that happened. First match that will happen is the finals of the SmackDown Tag Team Tournament. It will be Braun Strowman and Ricochet going against Imperium with Gunther in their corner. Ricochet and Braun would win the match by pinfall when Braun would hit the Monster Slam, which is a powerbomb on Ludwig Kaiser. 
then tagging Ricochet. Ricochet was standing on Braun's shoulders and hit a swanton bomb on Ludwig for the win. Now, next week, Ricochet and Braun Strowman will be going against the Usos for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Now, after this, we will have the SmackDown Women's Championship match. Charlotte Flair going against Sonya Deville. Charlotte would retain the SmackDown Women's Championship by submission by locking in the figure eight on Sonya, and Sonya would tap out. After this, we have the Brawling Brutes going against the Viking Raiders with Valhalla in their corner. The Viking Raiders would win the match by pinfall by hitting Ragnarok, which is a double powerbomb on Butch for the win. And after the match, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus would meet the Viking Raiders at the entrance ramp, and a brawl would ensue with Sheamus and Drew basically beating up the Viking Raiders till they have to retreat to the back. After this, we would get the Fatal 4-Way Elimination Chamber qualifying match of Shotzi going against Shayna Baszler, Selena Vega, and Natalia. Natalia would win the match by submission by making Selena tap out to the sharpshooter. So Natalia has been added to the Elimination Chamber match. So, so far, the competitors in this Elimination Chamber are Raquel Rodriguez, Liv Morgan, Asuka, Nikki Cross, and now Natalia. The final spot will be determined next week on Raw with Carmella, Mia Yim, Piper Niven, and Candice LeRae competing in a fatal four-way match. Now it's time for Roman Reigns to come down to the ring, and he's not alone. He's with Paul Heyman. It's just those two, and Roman Reigns would speak. Roman Reigns would say he would like to talk about Cody Rhodes, someone that actually deserves his attention, but he has to talk about the past, Sami Zayn, because the fans were chanting for Sami so much. So Roman would start off by saying, listen, there's two sides to every story, so we're going to hear from Roman's side. And here's the audio from Roman explaining what he saw in Sami Zayn. You gotta go all the way back to war games. You remember, wise man, when I looked Sami dead in his eyes, and remember I told the whole world that I saw everything that I needed to see? Would you like to know what I saw that night? I saw greed. I saw the same thing that I see in everybody that I ever interact with in my entire life nowadays. You see, if a restaurant was lucky enough to have me, when I walk in, the hostess, the, the people in the kitchen, the waitress, the waiters, they all say the same thing. I want this. It's not, Tribal Chief, it's great to see you. What can I do for you? No, it's, what can I do for you? Like I haven't already done enough, right? So I do the same thing for Sami Zayn. I give him the opportunity of a lifetime, and all he does is he uses me, and he uses my bloodline, and he uses my island of relevancy. So as Roman would continue to talk, you would see from out of nowhere, Sami Zayn would just pop into the ring, and he would just attack Roman from behind. Sami would beat up on Roman. Roman would then get the upper hand and beat up on Sami. Roman would then ask Paul Heyman to get him a chair. Paul would do so, and when Paul hands Roman the chair, once Roman turns around, he would eat a spear from Sami Zayn. Sami would see the chair, grab it, and as he's about to hit Roman, Roman would roll out of the ring. Sami would get a mic as Roman and Paul are standing on the entrance ramp, and Sami would tell Roman that he's wrong. He never wanted anything from Roman, except for now. Sami would tell Roman that he wants him, and he's going to take the undisputed Universal Championship away from him. And after Sammy would announce this, he would eat a super kick from Jimmy Uso and Solo. Now, Jimmy and Solo would beat up on Sammy, and as they're doing so, Roman Reigns would walk down to the ring. They would put Sammy in the corner and put a chair around his neck, and Solo would look to ram his hip into Sammy's neck the same way that he did Riddle. But Roman would stop Solo. Roman, instead, will walk over to Sammy and tell him that he's going to give him what he wants. But Sammy has to do something for him. Roman tells Sammy he has his match, and it will be at Elimination Chamber in Montreal, Sammy Zane's hometown. Roman tells Sammy that he is going to beat Sammy in front of his family, his friends, his wife, and child, because this is what happens when you break apart his bloodline. This is what happened when you disrespect Roman Reigns, the tribal chief head of the table, all that good stuff. So we have our match set. At Elimination Chamber, it will be Roman Reigns going against Sami Zayn for an undisputed Universal Championship. And still, the big question mark is, 
where is Jay Uso? So, with that, that is your SmackDown Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, off to AEW Rampage. First match of the night, the Trios Championship match. The Elite defending their titles against Matt Hardy, Ethan Page, and Isaiah Cassidy. The Elite would win the match by pinfall when Kenny Omega hits the one-winged angel on Isaiah Cassidy. Then the Elite with a three-man BTE trigger for the win. After this, we will have Swerve Strickland with Mogul's affiliates, Parker Boudreaux, and the big mystery guy, which he does name Tretch on Dynamite. So, the guy now has a name, and Swerve will go against Brian Pillman Jr. Swerve would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Swerve Stomp on Pillman for the win. After the match, Parker and Tretch would attack Brian, and then they will hold Brian as Swerve would wrap his fist with a chain looking to hit Brian. But before Swerve could do so, Dustin Rhodes would run down to the ring and scare off Swerve and his guards. This thing between Swerve and Dustin is starting because last week on Rampage, Swerve interrupted Dustin Rhodes, and he's talking about how he's tired of seeing second-generation uh, superstars basically get put on a pedestal, and Swerve's taking a back seat, so Swerve's tired of that. So now he's on this big hunt to go after second-generation superstars. So we're building up to Swerve more than likely getting his hands on Dustin Rhodes' win. I don't know when, probably, what, next week or two weeks from now, but that's a match that is being boiled uh, until it's ready to announce. Then it would be Soraya and Tony Storm going against the Renegade Twins. Soraya and Tony Storm would win the match by pinfall when Soraya hits a thrust kick, then tag in Tony, and then Tony would hit Storm Zero for the win. Now, after the match, Soraya and Tony would get spray paint cans and tag the Twins with an L. So right now, this is fitting into the narrative of Tony and Soraya being the mean girls that are coming from a different company, going into AEW, feeling that they're better than the homegrown talent. And you can tell this is still building up to Britt Baker getting her hands on Soraya, and Britt Baker probably getting her hands on Tony Storm, and we're going to get this whole them versus us mentality in the women's division. And I just can't wait to see who else is going to join the established women talent because we know who's a part of the homegrown talent. You got Bukara Shida, you got uh, Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter. When they want to add Rebel, they'll add her in. When they want to add Red Velvet, they'll add her in. I mean, they got so many talent that are homegrown, but Ruby Soho, she's not homegrown, but she's going to fit in with the homegrown talent, even though she's from an outsider's perspective. It's just... I just want to know who from the homegrown town is going to go over to the side of uh, Soraya and Tony Storm. That's the big question mark for me, but only time will tell. Now it's off to the main event. Roosh going against Christopher Daniels. Roosh would get the win by pinfall by hitting Christopher Daniels with the bull's horn, which is a running drop kick to the face when Christopher Daniels is leaning on the bottom turnbuckle for the win. Now with that, that is your Rampage Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, before I get you guys out of here, this is a couple things I want to talk about. The first one is a quick note. Um, wrestling legend Lanny Poffo, better known as the genius, is his time in WWE, or people better know him as the brother of Randy Macho Man Savage. He passed away this week at the age of 68. Um, Hall of Famer Hacksaw Jim Duggan will post that on, I believe, Facebook or Twitter, one of the social media sites, and... TMZ would then report it. So far, as of right now of this recording, there has been no cause of death for why Lanny Poffo passed away, but Lanny Poffo did pass away, so uh, prayers and condolences to the Poffo family. Now off to the NXT Vengeance Day predictions. Tonight is NXT Vengeance Day, and they just started off. For the NXT Women's Championship, Roxanne Perez going against Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. I think Roxanne Perez is going to retain her championship. She just won it at New Year's Evil. So she's only held it for about, what, a month now? I don't think they're going to have her drop that championship just quite yet. She just won it. And I think they still see a lot of stuff in the future with Roxanne Perez. So Roxanne to retain her women's championship. Two out of three falls. Apollo Crews going against Carmelo Hayes, who have Trick Williams in his corner. Um, I see Carmelo Hayes winning this, a 2-1 situation. I don't ever see in wrestling a whole complete like clean sweep where it's just a wrestler just beating someone straight up two times where 
Their opponent gets no wins at all. I think it's going to go two to one. Carmelo Hayes winning the match, and he will be the next number one contender for the NXT Championship. Up next, the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship champions Katana Chance and Kaden Carter going against challengers Fallon Henley and Kiana James. You know what? Katana Chance and Kaden have held on to the titles for the longest reigning. They're the longest reigning NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, and also they're the longest reigning NXT, or matter of fact, just the longest reigning Women's Tag Team Champions in WWE history. They even eclipse the main event roster uh, Women's Tag Team Champions. So they're the longest reigning uh, Women's Tag Team Champions of this uh, set of Women's Tag Team Champions. Um, I think they'll probably lose the belts to Fallon and Kiana James, to be honest with you, because Fallon and Kiana actually do have some uh, storyline with those two and Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen with Jensen liking Kiana James and Fallon and Briggs not liking Kiana at the moment. So I can see them losing or matter of fact, them winning the championships against uh, Katana and Kaden. So if I were to put my money on something or just to bet for future storylines here, I think Fallon and Kiana are going to win the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships here to see how that uh, storyline will continue to advance. After this, we have the NXT Tag Team Championships. The New Day going against Gallus, going against Pretty Deadly, going against Andre Chase and Duke Hudson. The New Day, I feel they're in the Dolph Ziggler spot like Dolph Ziggler was last year. Dolph Ziggler beat Braun Breaker last year for the NXT Championship. He went out to go and lose the NXT title back to Braun Breaker the night after uh, WrestleMania on Monday Night Raw. I'm not saying that's what the New Day is going to do here, but I think the New Day are going to retain the NXT Tag Team titles, and they'll probably drop the Tag Team titles to a tag team at uh, NXT's their Stand and Deliver event at WrestleMania weekend. I can't... Right now, to say who the tag team is going to be, who NXT is going to choose for the New Day to lose to, if I were to have money, I think it's going to be Schism because the Grizzly Young Veterans are uh, due for a tag team title run in NXT. So if it was me, I would say Schism. But again, time will tell. But for this match alone, I think the New Day are going to retain their tag team titles. The North American Championship, Wesley going against Dijak. Wesley, I think he's going to retain it. Dijak, I think he's going to have to deal with uh, Tony D'Angelo and Stax because Tony and Stax are kind of not done with Dijak here, and Wes is probably going to like win at by the skin of his teeth against Dijak because Dijak is going to have the power advantage against Wes's whole speed and agility. But Dijak has the agility as well, but just he has the power to outmatch the speed. But Wes is going to squeak out a win, so I see Wes retaining his North American Championship now for the main event. Steel Cage match for the NXT Championship. Braun Breaker going against Grayson Waller. Even though I like Grayson Waller, I truly do. Grayson Waller is not the next NXT champion. Braun Breaker is, so we can get that Braun Breaker versus Carmelo Hayes match that everybody wants to see at NXT uh, Stand and Deliver WrestleMania weekend. So I see WWE NXT not like wasting that opportunity to show a big light on two of their biggest stars that everybody care about on the NXT brand during that uh, stand and deliver weekend. So Braun Breaker is going to win this match against Grayson Waller. And then we will start the Carmelo Hayes and Braun Breaker road to stand and deliver for WrestleMania weekend. And with that, that is your NXT uh, Vengeance Day predictions. Now, since this is Black History Month, I think I should shine a light on a black wrestler that for me, I feel is due uh, the respect and do the admiration that he should be given. And the person I'm trying to spotlight for this episode is MVP, Montel Vontavious Porter. This man is a true real life uh, story of turning a bad situation into good. And what I'm talking about is when MVP was 16, he was charged with armed robbery and kidnapping because him and his group of friends did do these things on a cruise, like, uh, casino-style cruise ship in Florida. He talked about this on Coco Banner's Art of Wrestling, and he talked about how he got into wrestling whenever he was doing his stint. He happened to meet up with a guard who happened to get him in contact with Duke the Dumpster Drozzy, and MVP would end up getting trained by Soul Man Alex G. 
Then you would see MVP doing independent circuits around Florida. Ultimately, he would get contacted. Well, he wouldn't get contacted. He would have to assert his way into WWE to get uh, tryout matches, and then he would get signed to Deep South Wrestling. That was another developmental system of WWE at the time, I believe in 2005, 2006 or time. And then... Well, the rest is history. MVP would come up in the late 2006. He would come up to the main roster. And boy, oh boy, his first uh, attire. Boy, people like to clown him about that. The fans did. And I know I did because I thought my man looked like a Power Ranger in the suit. But again, he was able to pull it off. He ended up getting swagged out more with the suits. And as a matter of fact, for me, MVP was the first like wrestler, wrestler to me to actually modify uh modern blackness into wrestling with the whole ball in the whole swag and everything else the whole blinged out aesthetic that he brought to smackdown whenever he got brought up to the main roster here and ultimately again the rest is history he ended up beating uh chris benoit he becomes the longest reigning united states champion he held the championship for i believe what 343 days until that record got beaten by dean ambrose in 2014 but is still the third longest reign in the championship's history. He will leave WWE after not being able to get to the main event spot, which by guy MVP should have been in the main event spot, but I digress. He will go over to New Japan. He becomes the first ever New Japan IWGP uh, Intercontinental Champion. He will then come back to WWE years later, and then he ends up being the manager for uh, Bobby Lashley, they create the Hurt Business. MVP is the mouthpiece for the Hurt Business, one of the greatest uh, factions that happened to get their water cut off so shortly. I mean, it was incredibly stupid. But MVP for his mouthpiece, for him talking the way that he talks, for him doing what he's done for guys like a Bobby, for guys like a Cedric and Shelton at the time whenever the pandemic was happening, it helped those guys out. Him helping Omas out. As being a mouthpiece, it's incredible. Um, and just, if anybody goes into MVP's legitimate story, and they happen to, again, I have to plug this. Again, listen to Cole Cabana's Art of Wrestling podcast. It's somewhere in the archives. Just type in Art of Wrestling MVP, and it should pop up somewhere on Google, and you'll be able to listen to it. But you'll hear MVP's story, and it's so inspirational because it's showing you that, yes, he did some terrible things and questionable things in his youth but you don't have to let your actions of your youth dictate what you can do in the future you become a better person you can uh try to help people out in the future let them see your story you can be a testimony for them to let them know hey you can change you don't what your actions are you are who you are and you can change what you want to change it's all about you putting in the work. So for me, I see MVP literally as an inspirational story for any kids that are in rural areas or in the hood or anything like that. So for me, I think MVP needs to get a bright light shine on him more, and especially his whole backstory and all that type of stuff. So again, I'm shining the light on MVP. Look back at his story. Listen to it. Art of Wrestling Podcast. Please do that, and you'll see more of what I'm talking about here. But for the first week of Black History Month, the wrestler that I want to put a light on is Montel Vontarius Porter, MVP. And again, I want to give credit where credit is due. I got this segment from the Public Enemies podcast. They, I looked at their podcast, what, a year ago around this time, and I saw them doing this segment, and I thought, wow, that is a great segment, so why not just put that into your own show? So again, I got to give credit to where credit is due. Public Enemies Podcast. Listen to those guys. They're a great podcast to listen to, especially for all your uh, wrestling needs and also joking needs as well. So with that, this has been Wrestling Highlights of the Week presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. He is I and I am him. I want you all to have a great Saturday. Please don't be a dick. Please treat everybody with all the love and kindness that you can. Please be that shining light for someone, even if they're being a complete a-hole to you. Just put your best foot forward. That's all you can do. And also, if you do have Peacock, go ahead and watch NXT Vengeance tonight. It should be a good show. Why not? You get to see the future talent of WWE should being 
demonstrate it right in front of your face. And again, I don't care what nobody says. NXT right now, they're cooking. And especially since this is the road to WrestleMania, expect a lot of big things to happen in NXT for these weeks coming. So again, tonight, Vengeance Day. Watch it on Peacock. I'm going to have my review of it up tomorrow, Sunday, along with my Sunday episode as well. So you get two episodes on Sunday. So again, that's what you should expect on a Sunday. But again, with all that, I love you all. I thank you. Please have a great Saturday. And Kanye, could you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.